moving where? Everwood, Colorado. everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of I Left My Heart in Everwood, an Everwood podcast. Today, I'm going to be covering the episode, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Dear God, which aired on October 14th, 2002. After a lost deer makes the Browns' backyard its new home, Andy insists on accompanying Ephraim, who decides to help the animal find its way home to the wilderness. Meanwhile, Ephraim finally admits to Amy that he never asked his father to consider operating on her boyfriend Colin, who was in a coma, and Delia questions the existence of God. Alright, so it looks like we got a few things going on here. We got Ephraim and Andy and the deer. We got Ephraim dealing with uh, coming clean to Amy. And, of course, Delia questioning God and her mother and kind of wanting to know that she's at peace, that she's okay, she's in heaven, looking down on them. This episode has a 7.5 out of 10 rating based on 74 ratings. Let's see here. Do we have any... Let's see. We, trying to see if we have any other guest stars. It looks like we really don't. So this was directed by Arlene Sanford, writers Greg Berlaney, and two others. Let's see if I can... Michael Green and Roger Gowickerswitz. Uh, credit only. Okay. There's no trivia, but we have connections. Bambi, mentioned in dialogue, of course, because there's a deer in this episode. The Sound of Music, Ephraim, a doe, a deer, a female deer. <laughs> the Chosen, mentioned in dialogue. Black Beauty, mentioned in dialogue. And Dear God, title reference. This TV show, Dear God, is D-E-A-R, not D-E-E-R. Alright, as always, I like to confirm with the booklet just to see what the episode description is here. There's no place like home. Ephraim identifies with the lost doe's plight and leads the animal on a trek to its wilderness home. Delia seeks proof God exists, so she'll know for sure her mom is safely in heaven. So, as always, the episode starts out, we get Irv's Irv Harper's narration as he talks about the Everwood Pinecone, which is Everwood's newspaper. An independent daily press since May 21st of 1985. That was the day that Mr. R.F. Davenport bought what was then an antique printing press. He was hell-bent on spreading whatever news there was each and every day. And of course, the townsfolk thought that he was crazy, but 5,999 issues later, he hasn't missed a single delivery. Well, good for him. First, we get a sarcastic comment from Ephraim, Ephraim as he, like, he's like, hey, I think I know what it means to miss New York. And then I read the pine cone as he's opening the paper. Of course, Delia is asleep, so Andy's carrying her inside. Is They May Be Giants, that's a band. I guess they're playing in Central Park in two hours. And Andy's like, I don't think you're going to make it there. And Ephraim's like, oh, well, that's okay. Here in Everwood... There's free skate sharpening at Walter's Ice and Laundry Rink. Okay, an ice skating rink and a laundry rink? Wow. So, of course, it's dark out, and right away they see that something's not right as 
Ephraim's like, do you think someone's inside? So Andy passes off Delia to Ephraim. He's like, I'll check it out. You stay here. So we see that a picture on the wall is a little askew. It looks like something's been knocked over. But it's not the intruder that they're thinking it is. Yes, Andy's weapon of choice is a umbrella. Handle first. We also see a chair that has been unturned as well. It's dark. He hasn't turned on a light, so. We hear something crash, and then all of a sudden, we see a deer in their, I'm guessing, is it their kitchen? He's eating a, she's eating, it's a doe, so it's a she. She's eating a plant. Of course, Ephraim comes in with Delia, and Andy's like, hey, stay back. He might have a gun. It's a she. It's a doe. Come on now. And with that, we jump into the intro. Now we're coming out of the intro. Hey, Nina's back. How about that? We missed her to the last episode. Of course, Andy forgot to get milk. So, I mean, you got to have some milk in your in your morning to get you going. Those cookies are so big. They're like both my hands together with. Holy moo. And of course, Andy's like, well, you can't have cookies for breakfast, Delia. You're having ice cream. How about ice cream on top of a cookie? Ooh, that sounds yummy. Oh, he says, you can't have cookies for breakfast. And Delia's like, you're having ice cream. Like, all right, you make a strong point. Delia, or Delia, sorry, guys. Nina's like, do you know there's a small deer out on your porch? And Ephraim's, Ephraim, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. My head, it's like. 1030 at night. <laughs> and Andy's like, you know, yeah, it took two hours and four broken lamps just to get it out of the house. That makes me think of the time that there was a squirrel in the house. This was long before my cat Quinn and my rabbit London and my hamster Liesel. I had uh, Alfie, my rabbit, and Toby, my guinea pig at the time. And... <laughs> It was weird because I was looking through the bay window. I'm like, oh, that looks like a squirrel outside. And then I look, like really look. And I see that the squirrel is actually in the bay window, like on the inside of the house. And I freak out. Somehow I was able to get it into a bedroom. And I called Jeremy just shaking and freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a squirrel's house. So he gets home and he lets it out through the slider. <sighs> I, mean, you, I, I had the thing shut in the room. You could hear it like practically bouncing off the walls. I'm going to play this clip. This is so adorable. Andy have, trying to have a conversation with this deer. What is this? Sit in? Go on, Scott. Shoot. Get out of here. Just that adorable thing. Hey there. A little lost? Tell me about it. 
What is he feeding him? Her, I mean, pizza? Can they eat that? So, Andy's trying to get the thing, to, the, the deer to run off. Like, oh, scat, this is not a sitting. Get out of here. And he comes in, and Ephraim actually didn't know that deer have antlers, because they keep calling the deer a he. It turns out it's a she, it's a doe. And Nina says, I guess, the food that they scavenge on the deer is kind of disappears in the wintertime. And they don't normally make their way into town too often, but occasionally it does happen. And Ephraim's like, we can call animal control. And Nina's like, well, I wouldn't bother. I mean, eventually it's just going to take off anyway, so... So Ephraim takes the trash out, and of course, he sees it. It's an adorable moment. He sees the deer, and it's almost like a kindred spirit. It's like a free Willy situation between Jesse and Willy. And we see in the garbage bag, clear as day, there's a KFC bucket in there. I'm not sure what Ephraim gave. At first, I'm like, don't feed him, like, KFC chicken. I thought, like, oh, maybe it's a biscuit. It looked like a part of, like, a tortilla, like a breast breakfast burrito, which I, I don't know. I mean, if the deer's going to eat it, I guess. So he's like, hey, are you lost? Join the club. Tell me about it. So he's kind of bonding with the deer. It's cute. Now we're going to go to Everwood Elementary, where we have Delia and Magilla working on a project. And there's a boy here. I'm trying to remember. We'll learn his name. Little boy Carrot Top here. Adorable kid. Oh boy, here we go. They start young. Magilla sneezes. Delia says, God bless you. And he's like, why did you say that? And she's like, aren't you supposed to say God bless you when you sneeze? He's like, so I don't believe in God. Everyone has their own religions and stuff like that. So, so Delia just can't believe it. It's like, what do you mean you don't believe in God? Everyone does. And Magilla kind of chalks it up to kids believing in Santa Claus. Like, parents just tell kids about God to get them to go to bed on time or stop picking their scabs. You have a weird outlook on life there, Magilla. And Delia's kind of throwing it back. I'm like, well, if, then who made everything? And Magilla, Magilla's like, well, I don't know, but not God, because he isn't real. And Delia's like, I believe in him. Magilla's like, well, where is he? And Delia says, he's everywhere, like in heaven. And Magilla's like, prove it. Have him knock this cup over. And this red-haired boy is like, my dad says you can't prove there's a God. You have to have faith. Magilla, oh my gosh, Magilla. He's like, oh yeah, your dad's poor. There's no God and that's it. Like, what a jerk. Why are you knocking on this kid? No, Magilla and this kid are screaming at each other. I'm going to play this clip. This is, you don't get a whole, I mean, unless it's Seventh Heaven, you really don't get a lot of spiritual and religion talk too much in these shows. Prove it. If there's a God, why does he knock this cup over? I don't see you can't prove it. 
Yeah. Delia, are you starting fights again? Mm -hmm. I just had a question <laughs> about God. What's the question, Delia? How do you prove there's a God? <laughs> well, seeing as how we're approaching the Hanukkah, let's say your people believe in God because of the oil. The what? Way back in something something before Christ, who your people don't believe in anyway, <laughs> the Hebrews were chased out of their land again. But when they got back, there was only enough oil to light their lamp for one day. They said the heck with it and used it all up. But it turned out the oil that was only enough for one day lasted eight whole days. Now, if you don't mind, those pine boughs aren't going to glitter themselves. So, okay, the red-haired boy's name is Arnie, and the teacher's like, all right, that's enough. Arnie, go over there with the girls. There's a red paint that you love to eat over there. And she right away zeroes in on Delia, like, are you starting fights again? And Delia just asks a question about God. She wants to know how he exists and everything like that. And, of course, the teacher, I really don't like her. She's not meant to be liked. But, of course, Delia is half-Jewish, you know, on her mother's side. And, of course, the teacher's kind of throwing, like, oh, well, your people don't believe in him, and this and that, and Hanukkah, and talking about oil, and the oil lasted for eight days and everything like that. So, it's like an abbreviated version. I think if Delia wants to learn, like, definitely um, read up on that to get the facts and not just uh, your teacher's mumbo-jumbo lame explanation. Now we're going to go to County High School, see what Ephraim and Amy and them are up to. Ephraim was wearing a black shirt that's got a white silhouetted, silhouetted shirt on it. Of course, real quick, you know, I went to public school, and we really, as far as religion went... The only time I can remember specifically discussing anything would have been a book in second grade the teacher was reading. I had to do with uh, the baby Jesus and Bethlehem and every everything like that. And I, I think I was the one that brought that up because I had been going, you know, I went to church and everything and I wanted to act like I had, in, you know, information and I didn't want to act like I was, like, the expert, but I just brought it up for the topic. All right, so, looks like Amy says that she needs some fresh reading material. So, apparently she wants to give one of his comics a whirl. Granted, he mentioned before that it's called a manga. Is it manga or manga? I'm not sure. And he's like, well, wait, I thought girls like beauty magazines and books about ponies. <laughs> yeah, sure, Ephraim. So she says, it's actually for Colin. I did finish Call of the Wild, but I need something easy on the eyes. The only version of Call of the Wild I actually ever read would be the great, the classic illustrated edition back in like 1992. That and Black Beauty. There's some others. Uh, Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That was one that I think I was reading and I first read about what a flashback was so yeah the drawings were interesting I mean I know it's toned down like for children to get it as easy as to grasp on the classics as possible 
He's like, please, will you lend me one? So, of course, in his messenger bag, he's got at least, like, five to ten different ones. He calls them manga. Okay, they're imports. Although, Japanese storytelling might be a bit much for him. Might be a bit much for him. Isn't there a certain way, like, you're supposed to read manga? I think she's going to go with the Green Lantern that he pulls out. Like, good versus evil, triumph, all that good stuff. So Ephra, uh, Amy says that she knows that Ephraim was in Mrs. Lippman's office, which I'm guessing he says my serve is off, which I guess like his temporary, as Amy says, it's for kids usually that aren't, that new kids that come in don't stay there that long usually, especially when it comes to if they're a child of divorce or just kind of in a holding period until... Their parents' divorce goes through and they, like, move with whatever parent isn't going to be living in Everwood, Colorado. And they can go back to their real home or whatever. So I'm guessing it's kind of be like a probationary period, probably something that's like 90 days or whatever. 60 days, 90 days, I don't know. Of course, she's still calling him Ham, short for Hamlet, short for Shakespeare. Alright, we're going to go to Dr. Abbott's office. Let's see how much of a grouch he can be today. So... She, Louise, his assistant, secretary, receptionist, whatever you want to call her, hands him the mail and he's got something from the medical board. He received an award. He won the Colorado, Colorado, Colorado Medical Council Tri-County Service Award for Excellence and Dedication. Good thing it wasn't an award for positive attitude, because once he got that, right? <laughs> I want to play this because how often do we get him, Harold, being so excited about something? Like, never. And this is only the fifth episode. It's from the medical board. Please to inform me. I have won the Colorado State Medical Council Tri-County Service Award for Excellence and Dedication. Do you know what this means? Uh... I've got to tell Rose. But but, but what about Mr. Yeager? Uh, It's a boil, Louise. Lancet. Rabbit. Tell him to use up the erythromycin if it swells. Yeah, so he's so excited he's going to go home and tell Rose. Of course, Mr. Yeager, who's still waiting to be looked at, he's got a boil or something, and he... And Harold just says to... Louise, just take care of it, whatever. Have him use his old medication until it goes away. So I'm going to play this clip here. We have Ephraim with the animal control. We don't see too many of these all the way out from Mount McConnell. This is exciting. Now, let me catch my breath. How do you know where she's from? See that mark right there? I means she's a blacktail. Only a handful of those this side of Colorado. All from a wildlife preserve just past the summit. She wandered a ways. Long drive back? A few hours. A long buster of a hike. Two days, maybe? I hope you packed lunch. <laughs> I'm not taking her to McConnell. She's getting a lift as far as White River. Is that nice? Oh, sure. Not much escape cover, but it's real pretty. And that's a bad thing? <laughs> it's when it's hunting season. I go up this time every year with my brother. We bag enough meat in a half hour to last all winter. It's like ducks in a barrel. Yep. <laughs> Hold on a second there. So the animal control guy says that the deer most likely kind of wandered off from a wildlife preserve and 
Yeah, Ephraim's like, so you're going to take her out there? And he's like, oh, it's like a a hike, like a two-day hike, and it's just... Uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm actually just going to drop her off somewhere else. And Ephraim's like, well, is that a good place? And the guy's like, oh, well, there's not a lot of cover for her to hide, but it's really beautiful. And then he mentions about how this Elmer guy, he and his brother usually, in a half hour, they bag enough deer meat to last them the whole winter. And Ephraim just looks at the guy, like he and he grabs the leash that the deer is attached to right out of his hand. Like, hold it, hold it. No, just, no, I will take her. Because, like I said, Ephraim sees something in the deer. He, I think in a way he kind of sees himself just in Everwood, just being lost and just trying to find him, you know, his own, his little niche and everything like that. And he sees that deer just lost and wandering and everything he's got a connection to it so andy gets home and of course he sees the deer on the front lawn probably wondering why is the deer still here i thought you were gonna have animal control come and get it i love it he just walks right past her probably with some food like oh maybe you'd like to move on to the winter tulips the deer is just happily grazing in the front yard it's so cute Ephraim, of course is cutting apples up for the deer as andy comes in probably wondering why the deer is still there and not in the forest somewhere where it probably should be. Andy's like, what is that outside, Ephraim? And Ephraim's like, a doe, a deer, a female deer. And Andy's a little irritated. He's like, you know, all you had to do is be here when the animal control guy came. And Ephraim says, well, I was here. So Andy's like, well, then why is the deer still out on our front lawn munching away on the grass? And Ephraim's like, well, Elmer was going to dump it on a rifle range and paint a bullseye on him. It's a her, Ephraim. It's a doe. Bucks are male. Does are female. Andy's like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, it can't stay here. And Ephraim's got it in his head, like, I'm going to take her home. He's got it all planned out. I mean, I get it. Ephraim is moody. He's a teenager. He's overdramatic, you know, but here he's got, he sees something in this deer. And that gives me a, a little bit of a soft spot for him. And he's like, uh, you do know she lives in the woods, outside, in the mountains? And Ephraim's like, filling him out, like, hey, look, she's from a wildlife reserve a few hours from here. I got it mapped out. I'll get a ride. It'll be fine. Yeah, he says I'm going to get a ride overnight and then I'm going to hike. And Andy just starts laughing. And Ephraim's like, why are you laughing at me? And Andy's like, well, one thing you, one, you don't know a thing about hiking. Andy's like, you're not going. And of course, Ephraim is like putting his foot on like, uh, yeah, I am. I'm going to play this clip. <laughs> Ephraim, what is that outside? A doe, a deer, a female deer. <laughs> you know, all you had to do was be here when they came. If that's too much for your schedule. I was here. And they came? Oh, yeah. Then why is that thing still out there chewing on our lawn? Because Elmer was going to dump it on a rifle range, practically painted a bullseye on his ass. Well, what are we going to do with it? It can't stay here. <laughs> I'm going to take her home. Say again? I'm going to take her home. You do realize that deer live in the woods, <laughs> up in the mountains, outside? She's from a protected reserve a few hours from here. I already got it mapped out. I'm going to get a ride in the morning and hike overnight. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> For one, you don't know the first thing about hiking. And two, you don't know the first thing about hiking. 
Forget about it. You're not going. I am so. So Andy goes to throw away those giant cookies that Nina made. And, of course, immediately when he does that, Delia comes in and is like, No! You threw away the cookies! Those were for God! So this was Delia's plan. She thought if she gave God cookies and God ate them, it'd prove he's real. Whoa, it's lightning outside. Ooh, that's loud. I just thought it was raining out. I didn't know it was thundering. Good golly. I mean, it's like 11 o'clock at night. So, yeah. And he's like, I thought the cookies were for Santa. It's like, we haven't hit Christmas time. We haven't even hit Thanksgiving at this point yet. So, of course, Andy wants to know what's going on with Delia. as she says, well, McGillis sneezed and said God wasn't real. And Annie kind of realizes that Delia wants to prove McGillis wrong, which who wouldn't want to prove McGillis wrong? We don't like McGillis right now. So Danny decides, Danny, I'm sorry, I just covered a full house episode. Andy, Andy decides to make a fresh batch of cookies for God. Well, I'm sure he would have been happy with the big ones. I mean, we know Andy, the best cook. Let's see, what is Ephraim feeding the deer today? Oatmeal? Oh, I bet it's all those apples that he had cut up. That is one happy deer. Just look at that deer's face. He is, she, ugh. She is such a happy girl. She couldn't have her her work more cut out for her. I mean, this is easy. All he's doing is holding the bowl right by her face, and all she has to do is just bend her head down just a little bit and just dig right in. She doesn't have to do and, and, and next to nothing. I don't know why, but I just want to give that dog, uh, that doe, that deer, a big old hug around the neck, like oh. But she's probably calling her crawling fleas, or ticks, or whatever. Nats? I don't know. So here Ephraim explains to Andy that she has a home in the woods. She just wants to get back to it. How is that any more ridiculous than what you did to us when you moved us here? <laughs> Basically, like I said, he has a connection with the deer. The deer's out of its element. Ephraim's out of his element. He's used to, you know, lived his whole life in New York and then moving to the country in Everwood. He's just not finding you know, his, his place. He just wants the deer to get back to where she belongs. Look, you can't expect a shepherd to deer back to the mountains. I mean, don't be ridiculous. She has a home out there. She just needs help getting back to it. How is that any more ridiculous than what you did? What did I do? You moved us to everywhere because of some psychotic sense of destiny. Don't I get my turn? I don't know. Maybe I'm just supposed to do this. I don't know why. Maybe I just am. Okay. All right. But I'm going with you. No one. You said you wanted to go. Not with you. I'm not about to let my 15-year-old who doesn't know a pine tree from a baked potato go exploring the tundra alone. If you want to go, you better pack enough trail mix for two. with Andy Ephraim. You are 15. You do not need to be traipsing off into the woods with a deer where you don't know where you're going. Like Andy's like, you don't know the difference between a baked potato and a pine cone. Alright, so if you're going, I'm going with you. So pack enough trail mix for two. Do they bring trail mix? We'll have to find out. I mean, originally, who did he think was going to 
give him a ride. Him and the deer? Who? Who's going to give you a ride? You're probably going to have to pay them money. Do you have money? But I think this is a great journey for him and his father to go on with the deer. So, Irv Harper continues his narration and tells us how, you know, deer are really don't have much to say about hunting season other than they're probably glad it only happens once a year. And maybe that it makes him appreciate the few wildlife preserves they have. Oh, okay! So not only is he there, we actually see him getting... Oh, he's the... Irv is the one that mentions Bambi. He's getting Andy all ready to hike into the woods. So it's pretty much the safest, prettiest fawning site on Earth as far as this wildlife preserve that the deer came from. He's just making this sound like a, a deer's beautiful dream. With wild berries in the winter, all the thermal cover you could hope for. Oh, that's why they got the bus. Okay, because we see Ephraim bringing out the deer. Um, they got the emergency... Do any of you remember as a kid, if you rode the school bus, when they the bus driver had to do those, like, fire drills where you had to, like, come out the back of the bus? I hated those. And it stunk because it's like, whoever got out first, like, had to be the ones to help the others down. Luckily, I was never, you know, the first. I was usually always, I always sat at the head of the bus, so I was, like, last. But it's just so embarrassing. But they do have a ramp at the emergency exit of the back of the bus, and we see Ephraim leading the deer down on, like, a little, uh, leash. And Irv does tell Andy and Ephraim, like, this place, it's not very, it's not very close from here. You're gonna, what do you say? You got a long day ahead of you, basically. So Ephraim's like, yep, four miles west, another eight through Mountain Lion Pass. Mountain Lion Pass? I don't like the sound of that. Of course, Ephraim's like, well, which I wish was called Mountain Bunny Pass. Well, of course we all do. <laughs> I'm gonna play this clip because I love Ephraim's enthusiasm to help this deer out. Like, even if Ephraim's stuck in Everwood until he graduates high school, at least he can help this deer get back to its natural habitat. And maybe that it makes them appreciate the few wildlife preserves they have, like the one your Bambi came from. The safest, prettiest funny site on Earth. Wild berries in the winter, all the thermal cover you could hope for. But it's not close. You got a long day ahead of you. Four miles west, another eight through Mountain Lion Pass, which I really wish was called Mountain Bunny Pass, until we see the sign for Pinion Juniper Woodland. You can't miss it, and even if you do, you'll smell it. I can't say that I had either of you two pegged as the camping type. Please, I'm rugged. You think this beard's just for show? Don't worry, Irv. I got a pack full of food, Gore-Tex everything, and a new pair of boots. Did you say new boots? And Irv, of course, he's like, you know, I really didn't picture you two as, like, the camping type. Because, you know, they're Andy and, um... Ephraim are from New York, so they le are, like, the least, like, camping type you can get. And, of course, Ephraim's like, hey, hey, I'm rugged. And, of course, Andy's like, hey, you think this beard is just for show? And he mentions how he's got, like, uh, a, you know, he's got, uh, all of his stuff that he needs, you know, his trail mix, food, 
what do you say, like X on everything, which is probably some type of camping apparel. Or not so much just apparel, but like everything that he would need. Probably a compass, probably, you know, um, a flare gun or some type of animal predator repellent. They are going through Mountain Lion Pass after all. And he even said that he got new boots. And Irv's like, new boots? Like, you're gonna, those are gonna be destroyed because you're going through the woods. You're probably gonna go through a lot of terrain and everything, and those boots are probably just gonna get uh, really. You're probably gonna wanna throw those away once you get done with this whole uh, trek. So. We go back to Harold, and he shows Amy that he got his award for excellence in, you know, being a doctor, basically. And he wants Amy to draft a bio for the Pinecone, the, you know, Everwood newspaper. And she's like, well, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, because she wants to go see Colin on the weekend. And she just wants to get all of her homework done. And she's like, yeah, I'm too busy. Go ask Bright to do it. And I guess Harold says something to the effect of, oh, if you don't do this for me, then um, you can't get, what do you say, like a double pierce or something? Because you no cartilage. Like, okay. He doesn't trust himself to write his own bio for the newspaper. Come on. Granted, he'd be so Harold in it. It's like, clearly he wrote this himself, all of these accomplishments. <laughs> yeah. Amy, I'm sure, has such a way with words. She could really make her dad look really good. Not that he really needs to be made to look good, because he was just not, you know, he got this award. She even says, it's like, oh, isn't that basically like a good attendance award or something like that. And he's like, well, I'm having it, you know, proofed or whatever. He's just double checking his time. I don't know. All right, now we're getting back to Irv, Ephraim, and Andy. Because Edna and Irv are actually going to babysit. Someone's got to babysit Delia while uh, Andy and Ephraim are on the uh, Save the Deer trek. So Irv is like just looking at Ephraim leading this deer around by this leash. And he's like, to Andy, he's like, are you sure he's really going to be able to do this? Are you sure that he's up for it? And Andy just smiles looking at his son like, that's the one thing about you can't stop a brown from doing anything. It's like, okay. Ephraim, is just, he's got that fire in his, in his eyes, in his heart. He, is, he wants, he sees himself in this deer. I, I swear he does. And he wants to... It, to He's like, this deer for him is like a kindred spirit. It's like, I gotta see that this deer makes it home. Because if I can't go back home to New York, at least I can help this deer to get back home to where it needs to be. Oh, yeah, Andy didn't have a flare gun because that's what Irv tosses to him just in case. Like, you are going through Mountain Lion Pass, remember? You don't want to come up on a mountain lion. And it's gonna just tear your poor little baby deer, your poor little female deer doe two shreds. We don't want that. Yeah, Andy just looks at this giant mountain that they're gonna have to climb. Just all this wooded area and just like, uh, you guys got your work cut out for you. If you don't end up killing each other at the end of this, then your relationship's better than even I thought. 
If you seriously can get through this trip without killing each other, then you guys are gonna be fine. You're gonna be just fine. This is like the sweetest deer. I don't know. You know, clearly it's gotta be a tamed deer because it's working so well with Ephraim. And just, uh, I wonder if there's anything about Gregory Smith working with the deer in the episode and what he had to say about it. That'd be kind of cool to find out. So, Edna, of course, is fielding calls about appointments from Dr. Brown. They clearly probably had to cancel, reschedule some stuff. And, oh my goodness gracious sake, this lady, what, she got an issue with her Botox? And Edna's like, you can cry until your Botox wears off. It won't bring him back from the woods any sooner. I love Edna. I love her. So Delia's kind of hanging out with Edna at Andy's office. You know, she's working on her homework, all that good stuff. I'm going to play this clip as Delia brings up the subject of God with Edna. And she really doesn't know how to answer all these questions that Delia has about God. Like, do people talk to him? What does he do? Does he help people? How Just basically, she wants to see, you know, God's existence and everything. And it's all basically deals with, you know, her wanting to make sure that her her mother's okay in heaven. Because Edna eventually is like, can I just tell you where babies come from? It's like, so deal you kind of chalks this up to you don't believe in God either, do you? So I'm going to play this clip. Delia's just a curious girl that is just trying to find some, uh, way to quell her her fears and her worries. She just wants to make sure that her mom is okay. And that way, in a way, she can rest easy. And maybe even kind of move forward with her life when she knows this. Edna, has anyone ever talked to God? How's that? God, do people ever talk to him? All the time, I suspect. More so in the South. How do you know when he answers? I guess when you get what you want. But does he ever do anything? How about I just tell you where babies come from? You don't believe in God either. When I was in Cameron Bay, my second tour, the nasty one, a shell tore through the top of our tent, landed right between six bunks. We all should have gone up messy right then. But someone somewhere saw fit to make that shell a dud sat there politely unexploded. Ever since I figure I'm all out of favors. And me and God, we share a very comfortable, don't ask, don't tell relationship. So you do believe in him? Delia, if I take you for ice cream, would you promise to stop asking questions? Offer expires in four seconds. One, two, three. So, in a way, to kind of answer Dealey's question, in a way, Edna tells Delia about one of her tours during the one of the wars, um, when I guess a mortar shell had landed right in their tent between six bunks, and you know, technically, it should have went off; it should have killed all of them, but it didn't. And somehow, I guess the manufacturer of that mortar shell made, that ended up being a dud. Saved their lives. And she 
kind of says, as far as her relationship with God goes, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. So, Edna's like, hey, how about this? <laughs> if you promise not to ask any more questions, I'll take you for ice cream. The offer expires in four seconds. One, two, three. And Ed, uh, Delia's like, okay, she's like out of her seat like a lightning bug. All right, let's get to the brown guys and uh, the deer. Mind you, Irv said, I'll see you tomorrow because that's just how long this trip is going to take, apparently. It's going to take a full day and night. And uh, Both of them are wearing, like, heavy packs. One of them's probably going to have um, the tent because you're not just going to camp out in the open. I'm sorry. It's, like, four in the afternoon. Why am I yawning? I, like, got up around noon. Well, Andy's, like, saying, Ephraim, you really need to drink some water. And he starts throwing out stats of, at this altitude, you lose, like, a certain percentage of water. And it's just like, uh. So I want to play this clip with them because I just, I like their banter. I like that they're doing this together. You really ought to drink something. I'm fine. You gotta stay hydrated. I know it's hard to tell, but at this altitude, you can lose water at okay, a rate of okay, at least. Please. Just no stats. <laughs> and zip up your coat. I'm not cold. You will be in an hour. You know, just for the record, you don't know anything about hiking either. Well, I know that you can't drink stream water. Everybody knows that. You know why? Giardia lamblia. Protozoan come waterborne cyst with a nasty knack for twisting up mammalian duodena. I also know the young Bambi here has four stomachs. Rumen, reticulum, omasum, and abomasum. You know, I always wanted it to be a fifth called abo abomasum, but there wasn't. Also, deer can run over 35 miles an okay, hour. Okay, okay, you're a neurosurgeon. How do you know all this? I read it in college. And what, you remember everything you've ever read? Don't you? Mm -hmm. Good girl. I'm pretty sure the trail follows the creek. Check the map. No? Left. Sure. I used to navigate people's frontal lobes for a living, Ephraim. I think I can follow directions. I asked for... So Andy, of course, encouraged... Like, Ephraim, you need to drink water. So, otherwise, I'm just going to keep spouting these facts at you. Ephraim gives in, drinks the water, and Andy mentions you might want to button up your coat or zip up your coat. And granted, Andy doesn't even have his zipped up. But Ephraim's like, well, I'm not cold. And he's like, well, you will be later. So, <laughs> And even Andy is like spouting information about... Uh, you know, the creek water and why you're not supposed to drink it and all the issues that... Hey, Quinn. Oh, here's the other uh, paper towel. I was looking for that. Anyway. Um, what are you doing, babe? What's up? What is it? Hmm? What? You don't need to be up here. There's no room for you. You don't need to be on this table. Quinny. <sighs> Sweetie, you don't need to be up here. There's no room for you. Come on, butt. My cat, everybody. What are you chewing on now? Leave stuff alone. Get here. Come on, move. Thank you. I don't think your brother would appreciate even though he's not here anymore. Um, yeah. 
she's getting a little antsy, even though her dinner time is not till 5 o'clock. Yes, I know. Don't you dare step on this keyboard. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's telling Ephraim why you're not supposed to drink creek water and all the ways it can really kind of mess up your body. If you step on this computer, I'm going to slurp. Get your butt. Just sit there, okay? Quinn, just sit there. You're making a button. Yeah, okay. The My table that my laptop's on is actually uh, right up against where the kitchen counter is, so. Anyway, sorry about the disruption. But, um... Andy even mentions, like, oh, deer have four stomachs. You know, little Bambi here. And Ephraim's just looking at Andy like, how do you know all of this? Andy's like, well, I read it in college. And Ephraim's like, do you remember everything you read? And Andy's like, yeah, don't you? So they kind of, not so much really, they disagree mainly about what way to take. Ephraim's like, we need to follow the creek. Andy's like, well, no, we should go left. My guess is they're going to get lost. In that map, I never really learned to read a map. <laughs> never really had opportunities as a kid to have to read a map. I mean, Jeremy's all big on map collecting. From Whenever we visit a new state, he's always, let's go to the uh, information center of whatever state and just get a map. Just... For him to collect, really. Now we're going to go, of course, to Harold and Amy. And mind you, this is 2002 technology. And I guess she's trying to Photoshop his picture to make it look better. Like, less jowly and more neck and less, like, double chin, I guess. I'm going to play this clip because this is comical. I, I, I like... The two of them together. I like we get the banter between Ephraim and Andy, but we also get banter between um, Harold and Amy. No more shaving under the neck. You wanted me to turn your jowls into chin. Don't abuse the digital age. Davenport confirmed receipt. Hours ago. You just earned yourself an 8% increase in allowance. Even though you did manage to make my surgery rotation sound like a dalliance, I only wish I could be there to see the look on that nut's face when he reads this tonight. Who, Dr. Brown? You so have a boy crush on him. My issue Ew! with Dr. Brown is neither flirtation nor rivalry. It sounds like it is. to protect both him and this town from the potentially lethal results of his dementia. Boy and I loathe him. Only problem is, he won't see it. He's gone all weekend with Ephraim. We'll be back till tomorrow. He's out of town. Yeah, some weird deer quest. Ah, well then. That's all right. Good work. You uh, you get back to your villanelle. Villanelle. Oh, so he loves her. Um, what she wrote about him, and he's just so eager for you know he wants to rub it in Andy's face. Basically, this the fact that he got nominated, you know, awarded this. Medical award, and I love Amy. That came out of nowhere, but I'm like, oh, girl, you are ah, uh, you are dead on with that. She looks at her dad. She's like, you have such a boy crush on him. <laughs> yeah, 
And of course, he denies it. It's like, hey, this, what I have with Dr. Brown is neither flirtatious or, or uh, a rivalry. It's like, ball loney that it isn't because you know that it is. He's like, no, I just despise him. It's like, Amy lets it know, let him know that, uh, well, Dr. Brown isn't going to see this right up anyway in the pine cone because he's gone all weekend. He's going to, Quinn, can you stop playing with that calendar? You got to touch everything. Why you got to touch everything? You are a crazy cat. Why don't you go take a nap? You take so many. Stop! You're going to get a paper cut on your face. Stop! Leave it alone. Don't touch! Leave the calendar be! Leave it be! Why don't you go look out the window, the blinds or whatever? You like to do that kind of thing. Maybe there's something interesting going on. You'll find a squirrel or a, a bird or something. I don't know. Ugh, this cat, I swear. I love her to death, guys, but she can be... <laughs> Isn't that right, Quinny? That's right. You are. You just agreed with me. <laughs> oh, you're so silly. Okay, so... <laughs> after hearing that Andy Brown, of course, and Ephraim, they're on a little deer trick. They're on, trek. They're on a mission to save the deer. And he just takes off running. He's so giddy. <laughs> you just earned yourself an 8% increase in allowance. Even though you did manage to make my surgery rotation sound like a dalliance, I only wish I could be there to see the look on that. Oh my gosh. I want to hear say it again. It is Shut up. See the look on that nut's face when he reads this tonight. Who, Dr. Brown? Yeah, right. So let's get back to Ephraim, Andy, and the deer. Well, what are you doing, cat? Um, <laughs> Ephraim comments how they've been going downhill for a while. Like, shouldn't we be going more up? So, of course, Andy's got his compass hand. He's like, no, we're right on track. We're going in the right direction. Ephraim comments on how the deer keeps looking at him funny. Like, she doesn't know where she is. I like, it's almost like they're, it's a little, they have their own theme music with you know, Ephraim, Andy, and the deer. <laughs> it's just cute. So Andy, of course, is like, look, she's a deer. She's probably thinking, hi, are you food? And now Andy wants to like, hey, Ephraim, how's it going with you and Amy Abbott? It's like, for heaven's sake. I get it. He wants to like, you know, chat since what else they got to do? It's not like Ephraim's like, well, I'm putting in my earbuds now so I can ignore you the whole way. Like, hey, are you guys still friends? You can cover a lot of ground from the friend zone. It's like, oh, we are not having this conversation right now. Thank you. Like, you know that Ephraim's not going to, like, open up to him about that. It's like, that is, that is off limits, you know, teen drama. So, but who knows? I mean, what else is he going to do? Just put up a wall and say, until our little uh, trek is over, I won't be talking to you about anything. Or just say, that's off limits. Or no comment, next next question. I 
to play this clip. Of course, Ephraim was like, we made it six hours and already it's like you're trying to bring me into a conversation. Don't. And Andy's all like, geez, Ephraim, I breathe and apparently it offends you. What is going on? So I'm going to play this clip. I mean, I really like Treat Williams and Gregory Smith together in scenes because they both really handle these heavy, meaty scenes together. And it's not heavy, heavy, but yeah. Eventually, they gotta find some common ground where they can kind of either agree or have a conversation without uh, one turning their back on the other. Mainly, it's always going to be Ephraim that's doing that, who's pulling away. You okay back there? Fine. You know, we've been going downhill for a while now. Mm. Should we be going more up? That's a gradual set. Right on track. She keeps looking at me funny, like she's thinking she doesn't know where she is. She's a wild animal. She's thinking, hi, you made a food? Come on, keep up. We're making good time. So, how's it going with you and Amy Abbott? I mean, are you guys still friends? You know, you can cover a lot of groundwork from the friend zone. Lucky me. You remember a book you read on relationships in high school. Okay, something more in my business then. How's your schoolwork going? I guess I should be glad I made it six hours before you try to turn this into some kind of bond fest. Look, I'm just trying to talk to you, Ephraim. Well, don't. Please. Does a favor to me. I breathe and it offends you. What, what did I do now? Nothing. You know, you, you've been great. And don't forget, zip your coat. What? What, are you mad at me because I'm looking out for you? First you try to parent me, then you want to be my buddy. And you're not very good at either. Well, I'm just trying here, Ephraim. Well, don't. It's bad enough you invited yourself along for the ride. Don't embarrass us both by trying to leverage it. You know, sometimes I think you'd like to go back to the way it was with us in New York when we never spoke. Well, you have to admit, it worked pretty well. I had my own life. I could make my own decisions, do things I wanted to from time to time. Do what you want? I planned this trip for you. Who asked you to? looks vaguely familiar. We're right back where he left us. That's great. That's great. Well, at least we're not lost. Look, I'm sorry, Ephraim. Why are you unpacking? I'm setting up camp. The sun's about to go down. Might as well get a fresh start in the morning. Well, you know, we could still make good time. And So like I said, Ephraim has still got that wall up. Occasionally he might lower just a smidge, but as soon as Andy opens his mouth, it goes right back up. And Andy even points out, it's like, even my breathing offends you. It seems like you'd rather go back to when we never talked when we lived in New York. And Ephraim's like, well, it was easier when we were doing that. And it's just like, jeez Louise. So it turns out... They end up right back where they started. And Ephraim is P.O. I would be too. It's like, he says we've been walking for like six hours. <sighs> that would piss me off too. Like, the fuck? We're, go we're basically going by Andy's compass. And he's like, oh, we should have stayed to the left. It's like, no, you probably should have stayed to the, to the, along the creek, like Ephraim said. The fact that this was supposed to be Ephraim's trip with the deer and he feels like, well, his dad just decided to tag along. And he's like, well, this isn't, we could still make some, uh, you know, time still. And, and uh, 
Well, Andy says we could still, you know, this isn't a a total dead end. We could still make some t- time. And Ephraim just looks at him like, look, the sun's going down. We may as well just camp here. We're going to keep that deer from running off. Yeah, I know they got it on the leash and everything, but... It looks like uh, the pine cone is printing uh, Harold's article about him winning that medical award for supposedly, in in Amy's words, good attendance. For heaven's sake, Harold, he's already got the thing printed. And Harold comes, stop the presses, this article on my award can't run today. Just save a copy and give it to Andy when you see him. My goodness sake. It's already been printed. You may be the doctor of the town. Well, now you're a co-doctor because Andy's there. but And your wife is, of course, the mayor. But you don't really have any say-so over when that article is going to be run. So the guy's all like, why not? And Harold's like, well, there's been a death in the family. And the guy's like, really? Who's? Harold's like, my mother. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, because that guy's probably going to be like, well, I just saw your mother. So, huh, try again. Oh, no, he's like, <laughs> you wish. Harold's all like, this piece needs to run in tomorrow's edition. I'm like, stop, it's been printed. You know how much ink and paper is being wasted? The guy's like, well, no can do. The machine's running. You have to respect the machine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is a lot of ink and paper that's going to be wasted if he's got to throw all that out. That's not fair to him. Or the machine, because the machine is working hard. So, the guy who runs the newspaper is saying, look, it's because of you and my obsessive compulsive disorder that um, I've turned it into something useful, as your suggestion. And now thanks to you and the pine cone, I've been um, working for 15 years or whatever. He says that he's a productive member of Everwood Society for 15 years. That sounds like something that Harold would say. Isn't that right, Quinny? Yep. You waiting for Jeremy? Hmm? Yeah? Yeah, always right around 5 o'clock. She's always in front of the door waiting for Jeremy to get home. Okay, so basically, looks like Harold is going to try to... He really wants this article to run in tomorrow's paper. And he's like, oh, um, do you have to deliver these papers? And apparently, I'm sure the guy's like, yeah. And she, let me guess, Harold is going to get up at the crack of dawn and deliver all these papers, but hoard them until tomorrow. Uh-huh. I bet that's what he's going to do. Oh, okay, so no, he doesn't have to deliver, but he's got to cover his costs. Okay. Of course, Harold's got that big old grin on his face. Now we have Mama Joy's, and... <laughs> Irv comes in and sees Edna. He's like, oh, there's some real interactive babysitting. Because she's got, like, her newspaper, like, up. And she's reading it. And she's like, yeah, sure is. And Irv's like, well, where is she? And Edna puts the paper down. She looks, like, left. She looks right. Like, where is she? She's sitting at the counter with a, a glass of water in front of her. Poor Delia with her chin on her her arms like just sad that she's not getting the answers about God that she wants. 
want to play this clip because Irv just gives Edna a look and she's like, hey, don't give me that. A babysitter's job is to make sure the kid doesn't die. Don't give me that. A babysitter's job is to make sure the kid doesn't die. That's all. She's a kid, not a grenade. Hey, Private. What do you say to a movie tomorrow? <laughs> My mom says she used to go to synagogue to talk to God. Could we go to one? The nearest synagogue is two hours away. Maybe we could talk to God somewhere local, like a video store. We can rent the Chosen. Are you thirsty or something? It's for God. I tried to get him to eat me this cookie, but that didn't work. Now I'm waiting to see if I'll knock the glass over. Anything so far? I even put it close to the edge, so all he had to do was knock it a little bit. Why all this recon on God today? I just want to know about God, because if there's no God, then there's no heaven. And if there's no heaven... Then where's my mom? Getting late, Private. Time to head home. Five more minutes. Sure. So Edna heads over to the counter where Delia is hanging out, and she's got a water there, and she of course has it close to the edge because she wants you know in order. For her to see that God is real. She hopes that he'll knock the glass over. She even had Nina's cookies there. He didn't eat them. And she's like, well, m when my mom wanted to talk to God, she'd go to a synagogue. Can we go to one tomorrow? And Edna's like, honey, the, the synagogue is like two hours away. Can we like find God at like the video store? What'd she say? We can rent The Chosen? Which I'm not sure what that movie is. And... Delia's just worried. She's like, "Well, if there's no God, then if there's and if there's no heaven, then where's my mom?" And it's just like, "Oh, kid, it's 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 just sad." She just wants answers to her questions. So Edna's gonna have to dig deep here for Delia, and really kind of figure out what's the best solution to kind of help her res resolve. Her, her issues, what's going to be able, not pacify her necessarily, but at least give her some ray of hope. And honestly, if a kid comes to you, your kid comes to you with these questions and say you're not uh, technically a religious person, how do you answer and how do you answer these questions? I'm just, I mean, me, I grew up in a Catholic family, so we always kind of, you know, talked about God and all that stuff. And I'm kind of wondering if at some point maybe Delia might get Andy and Ephraim to go to church with her. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to find out and see. I swear I thought watching the show that there was at least an episode where she has them all go to church for, for something. So now we get back to Ephraim and Andy and the deer. It's dark out. Ephraim's trying to light a fire with a match. Finally, he's like, Andy's like trying to give Ephraim advice. 
And Ephraim's like, you're fired. Don't give me any advice of any kind. <laughs> Poor Andy. She's trying to help. Ephraim, in a fit of frustration. I I, at first, I wasn't sure what this was. But he takes the flare gun and aims it at um, the little rock wood formation that he's got for the fire. And immediately, it starts a fire. We'll see how long it lasts. So Andy asks Ephraim, like, how do you think the deer's doing? And Ephraim's like, I think she'll be fine once we get her where she needs to be. And Andy just brings up the fact, it's like, you know, you you take her to this place, she may just wander again. And Ephraim's like, yeah, I know that. I know that. Why does it always feel like Andy is always apologizing to Ephraim in some way to almost like, oh, trying to get his son to like him in hopes that maybe if I'm apologizing for things that he thinks I'm doing wrong, because he's like, you know, I have a problem with controlling things. You know, I gotta work on that. And Ephraim just looks at Andy like, you think? Like, Ephraim, come on, it's a two-way street. It's not just, you can't just throw all this onto your father. Again, he's got baggage for years and years and years of built up of when they lived in New York and Andy was always I mean that's the life of a doctor you're gonna he's gonna miss out on things because that's what happens you can't hold that against your dad and now it's like he's holding it against him it's just uh, it's just it's an icky situation I don't like it just wish that they could come to like an impasse or something but Ephraim just he's got that wall up all the time you know if you shield it from the wind you don't you're forbidden from dispensing advice on anything ever you're fired if you just put it fired fine you dry so much for her, Ephraim. She may wander again. I know. You were right, you know. About me trying to control everything. I'd do that. No, really? Your mom used to be the only one who could call me on it. Used to help me keep people alive taking charge, knowing the right thing to say all the time. It's an instinct that I cultivated for surgery that made me capable of doing things so fantastic I can't even take credit for it. That same compulsion that people nurtured in me then is what's making me, making me screw everything up now. For you, for Delia, These past few months, I feel like the only thing I've done right is to help a few strangers get better and 
stop talking out loud to my dead wife. Well, that's something. So Andy kind of brings up how Julia used to kind of call him on how Andy liked to take charge of everything. And he mentions how that is how he became so fantastic with dealing with, you know, his patients and his work as a neurosurgeon is making sure that he's in control of everything. And the way that he's been lately applying that aspect to his life and how he raises his kids and how he's, you know, helping a few strangers, he seems like that just isn't working for him. You can't take one thing that works in one aspect of your life and try to apply it to another aspect of your life because they're completely different things. So, I like Ephraim here, how he's listening to his dad. And you even see Ephraim kind of like, you know, smirk, smile a little bit. I like that he's he's listening to his dad and not just shooting down, you know, Andy's conversation attempts. He actually here looks like he's really listening to his dad and taking in what he has to say. Mainly because... Andy's talking about his faults and how he needs to work on things. As Andy's like, well, you know, all I've done is really treat a few, a few strangers and talk, stopped talking to my dead wife and everything like that. And, you know, when Andy says, you know, I treated a few patients and stopped talking to my dead wife, Ephraim looks at him. He actually kind of smiles. He's like, well, that's something. It's like it's something they, they can agree on. It's almost like Ephraim, every once in a while, throws these breadcrumbs Andy's way. It comes to these little conversations, but then eventually it's like the next day, the next episode, it's right back to putting that wall up. Like, he puts it down just enough for a conversation like this to happen, and clearly something happens between the two of them. Andy says the wrong thing, or does the wrong thing, and Ephraim's right back to his sarcastic, don't talk to me, don't breathe in my vicinity attitude. Delia comes in while Edna is working on her motorcycle. She actually put a sidecar on it for Delia. That is pretty awesome. Would any of you who have never been on a motorcycle get in a sidecar? I don't know. I'd like to, but it just makes me a little nervous. I mean, not that I'm doubting Edna's mechanical skills, but uh, I, I don't know. I just being out in the open air. I mean, it's one thing to like be in a boat and everything and you're on the water, but eh. it just seems like you have no real protection when you're on a motorcycle other than the helmet on your head. Delia's like, well, what's that? And Edna's like, a sidecar. We're going to go see about a rabbi. And it, it, there's this weird, like, not accordion music, but it almost sounds like a clown car music. <laughs> They're going to Fort... What is it? Citrus Military Base? Right, so I'm going to play this clip here as actually she goes to, uh, takes Delia to a military base. 
And this is a Jewish sky pilot still in training. So Edna's like, army training or rabbi training? And of course the guy's like, army training, sir. He's like, otherwise fully certified at the Jewish Theological Seminary, Manhattan, New York. Alright, I'm going to play this clip here. Hopefully Delia gets some something from this. I like that Edna's going out of her way that she ar arranged this. Because she really cares about Delia. We certified at the Jewish Theological Seminary, Manhattan, New York. At ease. Now you listen good, Lieutenant. This young lady here has a question for you concerning your faith. What's required is a regulation Jewish answer for how you know God exists. Are you prepared to answer such a question? Sir, yes, sir. Do you intend to disappoint her? Sir, no, sir. Proceed. Yes, sir. There are three essential proofs for the existence of an omniscient benevolent deity, sir. The primary is the Maimonidean cosmological proof in which the Aristotelian causal argument is applied. This is seconded in the Midrashic lore in the story of the patriarch Abraham gazing at the stars. He equates the night sky to a sumptuous castle found in a field. Taking in its intricacies, one must assume the castle had a builder. So, the guy is kind of spouting off a lot of this, um... Jewish uh, biblical stuff and you just see Delia's face at the beginning of it it's just smiling and then you see that look of confusion cross her face like she's not understanding like you need to like cut it like simple it down for her in a way that she can understand like she's not getting I mean in a way, he's answering her question, but he's not simplifying it for a nine-year-old in a way that she can understand. Now we're going to go, of course, to the adventures of Harold and Amy. Harold bought all those papers just so he could throw them in the trash or recycle them. I'm like, and Amy's kind of calling him on it. Like, for heaven's sake, you bought a bunch of copies of a newspaper nobody reads anyway just to make sure no one would read them. Ugh. He really is going to a lot of trouble for this. Amy's like, you know you're insane, right? And he's like, Amy, don't diagnose your father. So she says, I'll just go visit Colin tomorrow. And Harold's like, well, where are you reading him these days? And she's like, Jack London's Justice League. Okay. <laughs> oh, he offers to give her a ride up there. Because it's like three hours away. And she, well, no, was it two hours away by car or th and three hours away by train, bus? I'm not sure. But she looks at her dad like, you don't think it's crazy r spending all this time reading to someone you're not even sure can hear you? So I like Harold's response here. He's like, well, if you told me that you go because you feel obligated, I'd say yes. And he kind of chalks it up to being, you know, fairly unhealthy. And he's like, but no, you go because you miss him. And that is all that matters. He is such a good father to her. He really, really is. I think, I just, I love Amy and Harold's relationship as much as I love Andy and Ephraim's relationship. Two polar opposite relationships, of course, that could be really, honestly, no different. Like, they're... <laughs> completely different but they're great I just I love everyone's relationship on the show you got you know Ephraim and Andy you got Edna and Delia you got Harold and Amy and of course Harold brings up the fact even Rose has brought up this fact with Amy it's like it would be nice to see you go out once in a while yeah she's like well I thought that was mom's thing oh they're recycling newspapers okay Oh, there's a caution sign on the thing that says, 
do not play on or around. Who's going to play in a dumpster? So Harold kind of, he tells Amy, the only reason your mother does that is because, she, and she harps on you, is because she doesn't want you to, she doesn't want to see you miserable. I don't think that Amy really is miserable. Yes, she's sad and she wants Colin back. But if she in her way feels, I mean, if she's getting something out of this, then I say just keep doing it. I mean, she's faithful to him and she keeps going because she loves him and she cares about him. And that's to her. That's not wasting time. The reason that Harold is saying all this, he tells Amy, I don't ever want to see you feel guilty for having a life. Like, in a way, like, because Colin's there, he's in a coma, and Amy feels like, I don't want to feel like I'm moving on with my life and kind of leaving Colin. You know, even though, you know, him being in a coma, like, in a way, she probably feels like that's not fair to him. He's lying there in a coma, and I'm just going on with my life. And moving on. And I get that. Yeah. He is. Oh, he is such a sweet father. And he says, Colin was never so happy as when you were laughing. He is such a good dad. And he's like, well, as far as being crazy, I won't call anyone crazy if you don't. I like Amy's tan corduroy jacket with her, um, her brown head. Her, it's like a matching tan headband goes great with the jacket. And I'm not normally into fat. Oh, it looks like her lipstick actually kind of matches her. It's kind of like a burgundy or maybe even maroon colored shirt underneath. Real, I like it. And like I said, guys, I'm not one. I'm not into fashion, but I like when things match. And I like the color red. But then again, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you guys already know that I am very fond of the color red. Um, I, my mom dressed me in a lot of like, uh, red clothes and stuff, and I think that's kind of why I have such a attachment to it, the color. I want to play this clip. I love it so much. I know I talked about it, but I love it so I just love them so much. Harold and Amy's relationship. That's why it's going to be so sad when it kind of goes south in season two. That's only for a short time, and I'll get into that when I cover season two starting next year. I cannot believe you bought a million papers. No one reads anyways, just to make sure no one would read them. You know you're insane, right? Amy, don't diagnose your father. Okay. I'll visit Colin tomorrow. What are you reading him these days? Jack London's Justice League. You want me to give you a lift up there? You don't think it's crazy? Spend all your free time reading to someone you're not even sure can hear you? If you told me you go because you feel obligated, I'd say yes. That's fairly unhealthy. But you go because you miss him. That's all that matters. That said, it would be nice to see you go out once in a while. I thought that was Mom's thing. Your mother harps on you to go out more often because she doesn't want to see you miserable. I'm saying it because I don't ever want to see you feel guilty for having a life. Now, Colin was never so happy as when you were laughing. As far as being crazy, I won't call anyone crazy if you don't. So, Edna and Delia are on the side of the road. Edna's repairing the bike. I guess a rock kind of hit it. Almost took out the, the, the fuel line. Delia, of course, is kind of looking at the mountain and... 
She's like, it wasn't, you know, that wasn't like what it was like at the synagogue. And of course, Edna's like, oh, you didn't like it? And she, Delia turns to Edna and says, well, I like it when you yelled at him. <laughs> well, there's that. And Edna's like, she apologizes. Like, I wish I could tell you more, but God doesn't like to give easy answers. And Delia just kind of shrugs her shoulders. Eh, I'm okay. Is one tough kid. I tell you what, she is a tough girl. Dealing with the loss of her mother, adjusting to living in a new place, trying to make friends, trying to, you know, figure things out and find some sense of, you know, peace when it comes to, you know, her mom and just wanting answers about, you know, God and... So Edna talks about Harold Sr., her husband, who passed away two years ago. So maybe this is kind of her being able to show Delia that she can sympathize, you know, with what she's going through. Because Edna says, you know, I used to wonder for a while if he was okay. So she says how she used to, you know, wonder if he was even anywhere. And she used to make herself nuts over it. And she tells Delia, you know, I didn't realize till you came around, actually, that uh, making myself nuts was my way of knowing he's still around. She says, you know, because you looking all over for God, that's your mom. And that's how you know she's okay. And Delia just kind of looks at her like... And Edna says, you know, she's in you, looking. I think in her own way, I think Delia's gonna figure, you know, out an answer that works for her. And I really like that Edna was able to get personal with her loss of her husband to kind of help Delia see that your mother, you know, is in you. And you, you know, looking for God, that's your mom. And it's just... All right, so now we got to get back to the Brown Boys and their mission, operation, uh, send Bambi home. Oh, yeah, I get it. Because <laughs> they're like, where is my, how long has it been since we left Mountain Lion Pass? And <laughs> Andy's like, four blisters ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, the new boots, I get it. So uh, that's what Irv was like, yeah, because with new boots, you got to break them in. And I don't think... You know, going over this terrain and mountain trails and everything and hiking is going to be the best way you're going to want to break in boots because you're going to be sore. So I'm going to play this clip with the, with the guys. Why aren't we there yet? Because we're out of shape. How far back was Mountain Lion Pass? Four blisters ago. In the boots? Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> Wait a minute. You smell that? I don't smell anything. The sign! We made it! You got us here! The preserve. Dr. Beer, come on! Come on! What the heck? There's like nothing there. She was supposed to be safe here. She can't survive this. Damn it! okay. No, it's not. Where's she gonna go now, huh? What's she gonna do now? We'll hike a mile up. We'll find another patch in the reserve. No, that isn't her home. All I wanted to do was bring her home. You did it. It's just gone. This is where she belongs. She'll, she'll do what we did. She'll find a new home. Our home is in New York. 
home was with mom. It was. But she's gone now. We can't go back. We left New York because there was nothing left for us anymore. Nothing what you're hanging on to. Is this? I just want to go back. Oh my gosh, even I was getting teared up. When he, they reach the reserve, they see there's nothing there. It's almost like, looks like the land has been taken out by a forest fire or something because it's just, the trees are just bare. Like they've been, like, burnt to a crisp. And Ephraim realizes it's like, she was supposed to be safe here. Where is she going to do? What is she going to do? Where is she going to go now? And Andy's like, well, she'll find another place. She'll make another home like like we did. And Ephraim loses it. He is just, this was, he was so hell-bent on getting her here. Like, that was the mission and everything, that she'd be safe. And in a way, like I said, he is feeling like, in a way, like he's like that deer. You know, lost and just wanting to go home. And when he realizes this, and Andy's like, Ephraim, we left New York because, you know, there was nothing there anymore. Because Ephraim's like, our home was with mom. And, you know, Andy says, like, like I said, you know, there was nothing left there for us. And it just... It breaks my heart just to see Ephraim, he finally broke down. It's almost like everything that he's been feeling in like the month or however long that they've been there just bubbling to the surface and he just breaks down. It's like, oh, my heart just breaks for him. And even Annie's getting, you know, he's holding, you know, Ephraim goes to his dad and just hugs him and it just, it, and Andy's tearing up and, you know, I'm tearing up and it's just, it's sad. Ephraim finally realizing, like, yeah, New York was our home. But, yeah, Andy is right. There's nothing left there other than memories of your mom. You know, um, it's kind of like the fact that my sister and I are trying to sell, you know, our childhood home, our, our dad's house. And it's just, it's going to be so hard because I don't want to let it go. If I could, I mean, honestly, I would live there myself, but circumstances being what they are, I, I can't do that. Just the idea of someone else living there, just, I can't see it because it's always going to be my, my house. It's always going to be you know, my dad's house and, uh, you know, at least I'm going to be able to finally say goodbye once we finish getting it ready to sell and it's just gonna be it's gonna be so hard if any of you have ever been in that position where you're having your your parents are gone and, and you're having to put your childhood home up for sale and it just breaks your heart because what can you do all you have there are memories in a way that saying you can't go home again I mean it is true you can't go back to that time so I guess they do call the, be the deer Bambi and they do find a spot where they can take the deer 
And Ephraim crouches down, you know, at the deer's le- eye level and says, Look, I know this isn't your home, but it looks doable to me. Oh, it's just sad. He's having to let the deer go. This is just so sweet, this talk that he's giving with the deer. Just, there's no hunting up here, and I think you're going to be okay. Oh. Ephraim's like, Look, I know it's going to suck. It's not your your real home, but... At least when it sucks, that's how you know you're alive. And the deer, I just love. We get the over-the-shoulder shot of Ephraim with the deer's expression, which is pretty much just that. It's like, okay. This is just, this is great for Ephraim. It's like he's finally realizing, as he says, it's okay if everything sucks. It means you're somewhere. I want to play this clip because it's beautiful. I just, I love this episode. It was so sweet and funny and just heartwarming on so many levels. Okay, Bambi. Now, I know this isn't your old home, but it looks doable to me. Then again, I used to go to school above 96th Street. Anyway, there's no hunting up here. Now, I'd love to tell you that everything's going to be okay. That's what everyone told me, but it's just not. You can stay here, you can go back. Either way, it's gonna suck. But I figure, at least when it sucks, you know you're alive. I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's okay when everything sucks. It means you're somewhere. (laughs) I gotta go. There she goes. Everything okay? Good as it's gonna be. Yes, he says his goodbye to the deer. Gives a wonderful, beautiful speech and takes the leash off the deer, and the deer just on its way, on its way to a new, a new fresh start. I mean, all the woods, I'm sure, look the same to the deer in a way. I mean, she'll be all right, she'll be all right. Irv uh, drops off Ephraim and Andy at their house. So, Andy and Ephraim are resting on the couch after their long journey. And Ephraim's like, hey, Dad, how out of the brain business are you? And he's like, I don't know. Why? And Ephraim says, well, you asked me how Amy's doing. And he men- says how Amy's still wrapped up in her boyfriend, you know, the one that's in a coma. And he says, she asked me to ask you to take a look at him. And this is news to Andy. It's like, when did she ask you that? And Ephraim's like, a, a while ago. But Andy's like, you know, you're probably going to have to tell her that. The fact that, you know, Ephraim lied and said, you know, he said, oh, I talked to my dad. He said he could, you know, call in surgery and everything's a done deal. Don't worry about it. When, in fact, he lied. And Andy mentions to Ephraim, like, you know, it seems that runs in the family. And Ephraim's like, what? And he's like, trying to control everything. So Edna's there to drop off Delia, and she mentions to Delia that they were plumb out of gas back there. And Delia's surprised, like, really? And Edna says, well, there were no gas stations there, around there. 
Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, 80 miles, a new record. And Delia's like, wow, so the gas was only supposed to last for a little bit, last for 80 miles? Delia's like, wow, like the oil, it's a miracle of Hanukkah. Delia got what she was hoping for. She's like, it's a miracle. God was showing us. He's real. It looks like Delia's ready to run into the house and tell Andy and Ephraim. And Edna's like, you might want to keep this under wraps. Um... I'm guessing she just kind of did that for Delia just to kind of make her feel better. <laughs> I don't think that was actually true. Of course, Delia's like, oh no, I gotta call McGilla. He was so wrong about God. <laughs> but Andy comes out and he's like, well, hopefully Delia wasn't too much trouble. And of course, Edna's like, eh. She was, <laughs> but if you ask me to meet, or if you ask me to babysit again, you'll meet God. It turns out when Edna turn, <laughs> gets ready to go, and uh, her motorcycle is out of gas. Like, uh. I want to play the clip between Ephraim and Andy as they're sitting on the couch. And Ephraim's talking about how he mentioned to Amy that he's like, oh, my dad said, you know, Colin's surgery is a done deal. Don't worry about it. And he tells Andy that. It's like, you might want to tell her the truth. Oh. How out of the brain business are you? I don't know. I haven't given much thought. Why? You asked me how Amy's doing. She's still pretty wrapped up in her boyfriend, the one in the coma. <laughs> she asked me to ask you to take a look at him. When did she ask you that? A while ago. You're probably going to have to tell her that. Probably. Friends in the family, I guess. Trying to control everything. All right. Oh, here we are. Thank you for flying. I didn't want to worry you, but we were plumb out of gas back there. We were? There weren't any stations after I patched the fuel line. We've been riding on fumes ever since. 80 miles, new record. You mean the gas that was only supposed to last for a little bit lasted for 80 miles? Yes, so. Like the oil. It's the miracle of Hanukkah. What? God was showing us. It's real. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe you ought to keep this one under wraps. No way. I have to call McGill now. He was so wrong about God. Hi, Dad. She looks miserable. Thanks for keeping an eye on her. She's an odd one. I hope she wasn't too much trouble. Not at all. But if you ask me to babysit again, you'll meet God. Thank you, Mrs. So Harold gets what he wants with the paper. The phone's been ringing off the hook nonstop since the paper came out. Everyone's congratulating him. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not going to expand the office. So Amy even says there's a bunch of messages on the machine. She hands the messages to her dad. And, of course, he's going through them. It's like, oh... Are these all of them? And she's like, Dad, he didn't call. Seriously. <laughs> I bet he just got home. I don't think his first thought is, I'm going to read the pinecone paper. So, of course, he recognizes that Amy's got his Burberry scarf and she asks if she can borrow it. I guess Kayla and Paige are having a 
party with some guy that one of the girls is trying to hook up with uh, a rager on a golf course or something and she wasn't gonna go but then she realized it was like colin's favorite party of the year like they do it every year so amy's like i can't miss that right and of course harold's like well are you sure you don't want to stay home maybe join a convent and she's like okay i'm sure no (laughs) so she asked him to get her necklace that's on the counter by in the kitchen and uh she actually has a surprise for him it's his article she framed it Left him a sweet note. Aww. I love the note on the outside says, To my crazy father. <laughs> Put the best doctor in three counties. Love Amy XOXO. Aww. See? I told you I love their relationship. I don't know. Does she make him cookies or something like that? I'm not. Because he's like, Are these for ordinary people? Or something. These are normal sized human cookies, not uh, ginormous the size of your hand cookies. And he's like, hey, did you give Edna any issues? And Delia's like, no. And he's like, well, did you find God in your quest and everything? And of course, Delia's like, yeah, we found him in the gas tank. And I noticed she's putting in the movie Black Beauty because you know how Delia loves horses. So Delia called Megilla and he's like, oh, it's just coincidence. And... Andy's like, well, that's what your mom... Your mom used to say something about that, about coincidence. She said that coincidence was god's way of preserving physics or something even, even delia's like what does that mean and he's like got me well Ephraim looks like he's dressed up to go out somewhere and andy's like hey we're gonna have some snacks and watch black beauty he's got a big old bowl of popcorn he's like hey you want to watch and Ephraim's like no i got something i gotta take care of oh boy this is not gonna go well i just i feel it i just feel it in my bones it's this Thing with Amy confront telling her I lied about saying my dad could fix Colin. I haven't even I hadn't even talked to him about it. We hear the Warner Brothers logo in the background. Oh, he's actually just stopping by her house to tell her. Well, it's not like he was invited to this rager out on a golf course anyway, so Oh god No, he's met with Harold. Oh boy, this is gonna be fun. Let's watch how this plays out. Why do you look as though you're about to vomit? Doesn't mind. Amy? Remain outside, please. Coming! Your father didn't happen to mention anything about me, did he? Perhaps something he saw in the paper? Not that I know of. (laughs) My dad doesn't really do the pine cone, though. Well, well, the warrior is back from his vision quest. Did you find your spirit animal? Let me guess, you're a marmot. I have to talk to you for a minute. You're going to be really pissed, but please hear me out before you hate me. Go on. We made SpaghettiOs in the woods. Sandwiches, too, but I, I, I took the SpaghettiO can and put it right in the fire, which I got started, by the way. I, I, I stacked up the kindling like a, like a triangle. Ephraim? Yeah. me to ask my dad to help Colin. I said I did, but I didn't. See, my problem is, and this is really just one of a whole busload, I lost my home recently. I, I can't get it back. It, it, it took climbing a mountain for me to realize this. 
but you were right. I came to Everwood, and I'm just coasting. I haven't made anything for myself here. Except you. You're what makes this home to me. I was afraid if my dad helped Colin, I'd lose all that. But, but I get it. I mean, it takes me a while, but, but I catch up. Colin is your home. So I asked my dad to help him. He's going to look at him tomorrow. Not that that in any way makes up for anything I've done, but it's happening. I am sorry. Sometimes a spin gets you what you want. Sometimes it pushes it even further away. Either way, you have to respect the machine. So we get the doorstep confession with Ephraim. Of course, he starts out like, look, you're going to be really pissed. Before we get to that, of course, Harold opens the door, looks at Ephraim, and is like, why do you look like you're about to vomit? And Ephraim's like, because I might. So he's like, alright, hold on. And he calls for Amy. And it's like, just stay right there. So she's like, oh, you're back from your vision quest. What's your spirit animal? And he's being all funny and cute and everything, but he says, you know... What I'm about to tell you is going to make you really pissed at me. Of course, before he goes into that, he's like, Oh, I made SpaghettiOs in a can, uh, and I made a campfire and everything. She's like, Ephraim, can we just get to what you need to say? And it's so sad. He's like, I lied to you when um, we first talked about Colin, and I told you that my dad could fix him. I lied. I hadn't even talked to him. And he's like, you're right, I've just been coasting here in Everwood. I haven't tried to make, you know, a place for myself or tried to fit in or anything like that. And he said that he, it's it's sad because he is kind of using Amy kind of like, maybe not so much a uh, a crutch, but like, you could even go so far as to call it a security blanket. Because he's like, I lost everything, my home in, in New York and everything, and I haven't been able to really find my way here in Everwood. But it's like, I found my home again in, in you, and I was afraid that if my dad fixed Colin, that I would lose all of that. And he's like, I know that, you know, I'm wrong in that respect and everything. And it's just so sad. It's like this... uh doorstep apology slash confession 
really feel for him because he's really pouring his heart out to her. And he's like, I messed up. You know, I, I lied, but I fixed it. I talked to my dad. He said he's going to look at Colin tomorrow. So. And she doesn't really say anything. I think she might say thank you or something, but she shuts the door and he turns around and walks away. And then you get that song. Let me. So, yeah, he ends up walking down the front steps in the walkway of the Abbott house and he finds uh, it, the, that issue of the Pinecone newspaper. I wish I knew who sang this song because it's just so good. So we get Irv's narration to close out the episode as he says, Just like the man at the Pinecone said, we all have something that we're supposed to do. And he goes on to say, sometimes the gears spin. They spin to get you what you want. Sometimes it pushes it even further away as we see Ephraim like thumbing through the pinecone issue. Either way, you have to respect the machine. I think that definitely goes in with this episode. It's amazing that Ephraim's even able to read. There's barely any street lights going down there, uh, that sidewalk, and he's trying to read the paper. <laughs> but that's it, guys. I mean, that's the episode. I just. This was another good one. I I really well. Let me see. Let me let me get to my segments here because I want to make sure that I get them right. Here we go. All right. Where are my segments? <laughs> All right. So my three segments. Uh, first one stole my heart. Let's see what scene stole my heart. Um. I want to go with the uh, father-son talk between Andy and Ephraim around the campfire and just that breakdown of Ephraim when he realized, like, the Bambi deer's home was demolished, just him breaking down in front of his father and everything. And, and that campfire talk around, you know, coming to, like, an end pass or something between them. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to do... That's, I'm going to say that's the one that broke my heart, actually. That whole, um, thing there. Um, the episode, the part that stole my heart, gosh. I want to do, Harold and, uh, it's going to be a tie between Harold and Amy and just, um, their talk when they, he was recycling, throwing away those papers. And just her helping him put that uh, profile and picture and photoshopping his picture and everything like that. That that whole thing between I loved it. Um, needs a heart. I want to. Oh, um, the second one for the stole my heart is gonna be. Um, excuse me. Um. It's going to be uh, Edna and Delia. I really, really liked how that worked out. You know, with the whole thing with, oh, we've been coasting on fumes for 80 miles. And Delia is just kind of like, well, that was God doing that, getting us home. And she, just, I loved that. Um, also, another part of for uh, the Broke My Heart Award, I'm also going to give runner-up to that scene at the end with Ephraim and Amy. That boy bared his heart and his soul to her just in pure honesty such an unselfish moment 
for Ephraim as he just unburdens his guilt and just, yeah. Needs a heart. Um, again, you know, this is going to be a, um, I think I'm giving it to both Magilla. Definitely Magilla. You know, I mean, Miss Violet was too, but and just her kind of, I guess, if, could you call it kind of sunny the way that she was talking to Delia? Like, oh, what's your problem now, Delia? Um, I'm going to give it to Magilla. Just come on. The baby's like, there's no God. And don't tell me any different, you know, that kind of thing. Like his insistence, like you're not going to, yeah, so... Yeah, I just, I loved this episode. I love rediscovering the the show. I, like I said, I haven't watched it in years. So, yeah, that one was Dear God. And, of course, next month is Season 1, Episode 6. And, let's see, October 21st, 2002. In this episode, Amy is heartbroken and Ephraim is furious when Andy decides against performing a risky operation on uh, Amy's comatose boyfriend, Colin. Meanwhile, Delia is forbidden from playing with her only friend, Magilla, after his parents discovered them playing dress-up. And a traveling psychologist, Dr. Trot creates a, quite a stir in the Everwood community. Alright, so yes, this is going to be another big episode. It seems like season one really is a lot of whether or not is Andy going to operate on Colin, and not only that, but, you know, the operation, and what happens after the operation, and and all about Colin and him having to... Because, you guys, you've seen the show. You know that he comes out of the coma. And, of course, he's dealing with memory loss. And, and all that. And trying to adjust to living at home. And learning, you know, his parents, his sister. And then there's Amy, who... Bless her heart, but honestly... Girl, you gotta back up and give that boy some space. I mean, I know she was probably thinking he was gonna be the same Colin he was when he went into the coma, but he is a completely different person. Having to relearn everything. And that takes a toll. That definitely takes a toll on her emotions and and her relationship with her, her family and even with, you know, Colin and his family and everything. It's just a bit. And then, of course, you have Ephraim, who's, you know, again, sidelined because, you know, Amy is all about Colin this and Colin that. That's her boyfriend. So, yeah, we'll definitely be getting into that with uh, in May with The Doctor Is In. All right, everybody, have a have a good weekend. I mean, uh, we are in the last week of April here. We'll see what May holds. I mean, if anything, I'm just ready for this stay-at-home order to be over with. I am so over this. I'm so just done with it. But then again, everybody is. I don't want to be a bummer. So as I've been saying at the end of the, each podcast, I do stay home, stay safe, and please stay positive. We will get through this. And I hope you all enjoyed my uh, Quinn cat interrupt <laughs> interruptions too throughout the uh, podcast. Bye bye, everybody.